You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a LSU jam-packed Thursday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers. And the World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. Matt McMahon and the LSU Fighting Tigers getting a massive win at home to open SEC play, taking down the Arkansas Razorbacks 60-57 to inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. LSU women's basketball will take on Arkansas tonight up in Fayetteville. We will preview and recap each of those matchups. We will also talk LSU footballs. We are now four days away from the 2022 Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, how are you, sir? Happy Thursday. I completely agree with that statement. Oh, you... <laughs> how oh, you doing, Matt? You're a, you're a special person. You really are just a special breed. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, James. How are you? you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, good. Good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Hey, you want to know something that's shocking? I do. I love shocking things. i to take you by absolute surprise. Terrell Owens and the Cowboys were unable to agree on a contract. Really? At what, 50 years old? It's a headline. They were unable to agree on a contract. That's that's one of the other stories. That's right. Because ever because we were talking about it yesterday on the show, I said there's always a news cycle. It's always Tom Brady's bound to retire. It's always Sean's going to Dallas. It's always Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens always looking to return back to the field at age forty whatever. This is a quote from Terrell Owens' agent. We've been in constant communication with Jerry Jones' office over the last few days about the possibility of him returning to the Cowboys. Terrell is ready to contribute and play any role, big or small. He's in outstanding shape. He looks no different than he did years ago. I watched him running routes full speed with Deshaun Jackson, and he looked great. He didn't drop a pass. When, when you're playing pickup on a high school field, of course you're going to look good. Put him in pads. Put him against men 20 nah, years nah, younger nah, than nah. him. Only Terrell Owens could look good in a pickup game where nobody's guarding him. Okay? Put him He's on a field. different. Put him on a field with men 20 years younger than him playing defense on him and watch what's going to happen. That is not going to be a pretty sight. 337-706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline. But no, our, our top story today is LSU taking down Arkansas, like I said, 60-57. to 57. It was a game, it wasn't pretty by, by any stretch of the imagination. Either team shot well, uh, defense was, was a little sporadic at points. Got very sloppy at times. Um, turned the ball over, but both teams had 10 turnovers, which it really isn't that bad. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it was one of those games where... Poor shooting. Like, I, I thought we could have made a small apartment complex with all the bricks. You, you you scored in spurts, and then you went cold. You scored in spurts, and then you went cold. The I mean, shot selection was also very interesting at times. The, the I mean, there was only 43 points scored between both teams in the first half. Yeah, 
I looked at the notification just just to make sure, and I saw twenty four nineteen. I'm like, this might be a miracle to get to sixty, but it, there was a miracle. We got to sixty. However, LSU did have one consistent player, and that was Trey Hannibal, shooting nine of fourteen from the field for nineteen points on the night. The senior point guard out of South Carolina. This is his second stint in the SEC. He was previously at South Carolina. What's interesting about him, James, is when he was in high school, obviously played basketball. But you know who? What, what other sport he had a lot of offers in? A lot of schools wanted him to play football. Wanted him to play wide receiver. He had offers from Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech to play wide receiver. Ultimately chose basketball, and it appears that it's paid off for him. Six rebounds, two assists, 19 points on the night for Mr. Hannibal to lead the Tigers. Derek Fountain also with 14. K.J. Williams coming in with eight as well. After the win, Matt McMahon met with the media, and here was his opening statement. Uh, a couple things stand out. Number one, just really proud of our players. I thought they played with great toughness, uh, great effort, and sustained it for 40 minutes. Uh, they deserve all the credit for just gutting out a tough, you know, nasty, gritty win here. And then the second thing, just walking out of the tunnel and seeing the crowd and the atmosphere, uh, the energy in the building on December 28th uh, with the top 10 team in the country on your court, uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. So really thankful to all the, the great Tiger fans who came out tonight and really proud of our players uh, for beating an outstanding basketball team. 10,428 in attendance last night inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. It was a loud crowd. I mean, I could I could only tell by, by what I heard on TV, but it, it looked like a pretty intense environment. Um, and, and, you know, that's a huge factor, especially in basketball. You're in a dome, you're in an enclosed building, the sound can only go so far. So if you've got a loud crowd in basketball, that's a big, big factor. Uh, So it definitely paid off for LSU last night. Now, what's interesting when you look at this game is Arkansas came into this game with an 11-1 record, very similar, the same record as LSU, But if you look at Arkansas's opponents prior to last night, Arkansas came into this game more battle-tested than LSU. Arkansas had played Louisville. They'd played Creighton. They'd played San Diego State. They'd played Oklahoma. San Jose State. They, They had played some solid basketball teams coming into this game and for LSU to make a statement at home in Matt McMahon's first season and get a win like this, James, it, it's it's huge. 100%. Because looking at what Steve had said on Facebook, he he was like, it's, it's kind of the same thing as Missouri uh, falling to UK. I mean, you can't underestimate anyone. And then you got to build on this momentum because I wasn't too confident that LSU, based on what I had seen, from the teams that they had beat and how some of them were a lot closer than you felt it should have been. I I was worried, even though it was in the PMAC, 
that LSU was going to fall, but even though it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination, they were still able to get it done. Yep. And, and you know, that's important, right? We, we talk about it all the time. The best teams find, find ways, ways to, win. to win. When it's not a pretty night, when you're not shooting well, if you get sloppy and start turning the ball over a lot, just find a way to win. And LSU did that last night, and that showed a lot of maturity, and that showed a lot of growth from this team that, that is still fairly young, uh, especially in, in terms of SEC experience. Very young. Uh, your poll question of the day is, what do you make of the LSU men's win over Arkansas? Huge for the program, poor offense, defense does the job, or other. So far, 60% saying that it is huge for the program. Matt McMahon was asked, you know, looking at the season, you know, how crucial is a win like this to open SEC play? Matt McMahon talks about how the goal is to go 1-0 every week. Yeah, I'm not sure, Glenn. We always just kind of go one game at a time, as boring and cliche as it is. The goal is to go 1-0. and And for us, we're such a work in progress. We're just trying to get better every day in practice, every game. Um, but obviously the goal is to win while doing it. So uh, I hope it's something we can continue to build on. There are a lot of things that went into winning tonight. I thought our defensive effort, our ability to defend the paint was was much improved. I was really concerned coming in. Arkansas is probably the best team in America at forcing turnovers and converting those turnovers into points in transition. Uh, we had a couple you know, brutal turnovers there late, but for the game, only 10 turnovers, and they only scored four points off of those turnovers. I believe they were averaging around 25 uh, a game off turnovers coming in. So I thought that was really key. One thing that really stood out to me about this game is if you go back to the first half, LSU held Arkansas scoreless for five and a half minutes. Arkansas hit a jump shot at the 11.41 mark of the first half. Didn't score again until 6.02. LSU's defense proving to be crucial you know, in, in those stretches because, man, if you can get, if you can keep a team off the scoreboard for five minutes, that's massive, especially if your offense is producing at the other end. Uh, that's when LSU was first able to, to separate a little bit. They led by as much as nine at that point. Uh, they were able to separate a little bit and, and kind of you know keep space with, with Arkansas for a period there. Let's go to the game hotline now. T, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, hope you had a good Christmas and Happy New Year's to you and your family. Hope you had a good Christmas as well. Good. Uh, about your poll question. Well, most uh, younger guys would answer, oh, sloppy and no offense, whatever. Us older guys are going to say, that was the best defense I've seen in years. And it was awesome. They played their you-know-what's off. Yeah, no, the the, the defense was, was very impressive, you know, like like I was just talking about, the way LSU was able to hold Arkansas scoreless for five and a half minutes, I mean, you just don't see that anymore. Right. And the other thing is, you know, the last couple of three years or whatever, we didn't see guys diving on the floor like they did last night. 
it was just awesome to watch. As an older guy, you know, I respected that. Yeah, it was it was a big win, massive for for Matt McMahon to get a top ten win in in his first year in Baton Rouge. Looks like the LSU coach is uh, taking over, man. It certainly appears that way, doesn't it? I know, right? Well, look, y'all have a happy new year, and uh, we'll talk later. Appreciate you as always, T. All right, buddy. Ton comes in on the poll question, says offense is correctable, defense was great. Huge win. But, you know, it's it's interesting because you, you look at LSU and you look at the stretch that they're about to go on. James, you go to Kentucky next. It's not easier. Now, Kentucky's struggling this year. It, it, it's funny. Pe- people like to make jokes about how ever since John Calipari signed that lifetime contract, Kentucky is just gone down the crapshoot. They're sitting at 8-4 and four right now, number 19 in the country. Uh, but, you know, the Kentucky that we've seen over the last couple of years is, is not this. Um, and, and not only are, are they losing games, but the way that they're losing them. I mean, you lost to Gonzaga, you lost to UCLA, you lost to Michigan State, and then Missouri kicked your ass the other night. 89 to 75. I mean, just beat you. And now you're going to play an in-state team on New Year's Eve in Louisville before you, you play LSU. And then after that, you got to go to Alabama. SEC scheduling is brutal. I was going to say, you've got top 25 matchups left and right until about midway through February. Yep. Because you got Kentucky next on the third. You're going to have Texas A&M and Florida, which are still very respectable. And then you've got four games in a row where you got to play top 20 teams currently in Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, and Arkansas. Now, yep. Auburn's the second one, but Alabama, Ar- Auburn, Tennessee, and then Arkansas. And then you come back a little later, and you have Alabama again, and then Mississippi State again. Yeah, it's a brutal, brutal stretch that uh, we were we were we were talking about how they're not very battle tested. Oh, they're gonna they're, be battle getting very battle tested getting, very soon. I was about to say they're getting battle tested. Uh, very. <coughs> excuse we'll, me. We'll see how that we'll see how the stamina looks for LSU and no see kidding. see how long they can hold on to this because if if they're able to get through this with a very nice record and they still look like they can handle themselves the rest of the schedule. This could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as we start to move away from the LSU talk, uh, gotta gotta point out the fact that uh Pele passed away today at the age of eighty two. Absolute soccer legend, three time World Cup winner. He won six Brazilian league titles as well, was named the FIFA player of the century uh for the nineteen hundreds. Just an absolute king in the world of soccer. He's been sick for a very long time and uh, passed away today at the age of 82. Some people still view him as as the greatest soccer player of all time. Uh, he's definitely up there. Arguably, you could say he's the greatest. You could also argue that he's the second greatest, either way you want to look at it. Um, just no doubt a legend, and uh, the, the the soccer community will will miss him dearly. 
Today's show at 5 o'clock, Wilson Alexander will join us for Tiger Talk. And then at 5.30, Tim Newton, who is the radio play-by-play voice for the Purdue Boilermakers, will join us here on the game hotline to preview the Citrus Bowl on Monday afternoon between the LSU Tigers and Purdue. So we will bring you that and so much more here on Crunch Time. If you're in Acadiana and you want to watch us on the simulcast, you can do so. Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. But the biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and more. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage-side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other, and you can find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a time out here, and when we return, James and I will talk about the Pelicans getting a win last night over the T-Wolves. We'll break that down, and we will hear from Zion Williamson, Mr. MVZ, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's poppin'? Welcome back into Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 23 after the hour the New Orleans Pelicans sitting at 22 and 12, a 15 and 4 record inside the friendly confines of the Smoothie King Center, getting a win last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves 119 to 118. Zion Williamson scoring a career high 43 points on 14 of 21 shooting. Anthony Edwards led the way for the Timberwolves with 27. James, I got to ask you, when Anthony Edwards was drafted number one overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves, did you think that he was going to be this guy? I definitely had a good feeling about it. I mean, at at times you kind of feel like he just sounds really cocky in interviews, but the more and more I hear about it, because like he talks about how he'd be great in every sport, and it's like debatable. I haven't seen it, so I can't fully say whether you would or wouldn't. But overall, it's like just hearing his confidence when he talks and knowing that he believes in himself, and then just watching him play ball. Like you could just tell he's just one of those guys. Cause you see, I'm a I'm a be honest, and and this might like I watched him just the other night when he played the Celtics. And he was knocking down shot after shot after shot. Uh, I'm going to be honest, and again, this might come off as, as kind of crazy. He was good when he was at Georgia. Like, I thought he was a talented player. But I, I was a little confused as, as to why he was going to be the number one overall pick. Because if you if you look at it, during his time at Georgia, he had 19 points a game, five rebounds, three assists. But he shot, 
he barely shot 40%. He shot under 30% from deep. He turned the ball over. He had an assist turnover ratio of 91 to 87. Like, for only being in college basketball for one year, his his num I didn't find his numbers to be impressive enough to be the number one overall pick. And maybe he benefited from a weaker draft class. But his numbers don't pop off the page at you during his time at Georgia. And Georgia didn't have a whole lot of success while he was there. So it was very confusing to me as to how he went number one overall. But I have been incredibly impressed with his play in the NBA. Edwards with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. The Timberwolves are pretty scary, actually. And then when you add in Rudy Gobert, yikes. Which Rudy Gobert, he has his benefits, but man... He does have some deficiencies on defense. Yeah, he does. Which is which is because it, it makes it because people have figured it out so easily nowadays. Which is why you see that the Timberwolves have to go into into shootouts. Just stand up. You're seven feet tall. Just stand up. Yeah, but it's like you, you just take if you take him out the paint to try and guard the three. Well, then it's just so easy to to attack the paint. Right. But then if he stays in the paint, then it's so easy to dish to like the corner three or the wing three, and then boom knock down an open three because the Wolves themselves aren't a great team on defense, and then it doesn't help whenever other teams just attack Gobert. It's like, oh, you just either you just kind of either pass to the corner or for some reason he does actually come out. Well, then it's so much easier to get into the paint to get an easy layup. Season ended today. Who's your MVP? Oh. <laughs> and I know we're only about halfway through the year, but like right now, season ended today. Early on, you really you got to make a really good case, especially what you've seen over these last ten games. KD in those nets, man. Oh, KD. Ten, ten game winning streak. KD's been on it absolute yeah. tear. Giannis is doing his thing. Jason Tatum has stepped up even more, but man, KD he's still there. And we thought, like, just don't worry about him at this point. Like he like he's bound to fall apart. No, dude, he's still there. So according to this is according. You'd probably still lean towards Giannis, but to me, KD has a very serious case, and I feel like it's a lot closer than people really think. So this is according to four. This website I found. This is according to four major sports books. Like you also got to look at Luca. I didn't even think about Luca, and he had the sixty-point triple-double. Hear me out. Four major sports books: FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, and PointsBet. Okay. In every single one of those sports books, all but one, excuse me, Kevin Durant is currently fifth. Wow. You know who the leader is? Probably Luca. In every sports book, Jason Tatum. Wow. Well, look at that. I would have thought they maybe would have given more love to uh, Joel Embiid. His best odds are with FanDuel at plus 340. I mean, that is fair. He is the leader of the team who has the best record in the NBA. So, If you look... And, if kid, you look, and, and he's dropping 31 a game. If you look solely at FanDuel, Tatum is plus 340. 
Luka is plus Luka and Giannis are both plus three ninety. Jokic is plus four eighty, and then Kevin Durant is plus eight fifty. So, KD has been good. He's been really good. But if if you if you if you're one of those people that look at it solely based off the betting odds, Vegas likes Jason Tatum right now. But that that's kind of how it goes. Is they usually look at who's Who's the best player on the team with the best record? That's true. That's usually how it goes. Hey, if, if you were if you were feeling a little frisky and you wanted to put a a, a bet down on Zion Williamson, plus three thousand. You know, if you if you're feeling if you're feeling a little risky with, with your with your funds, I feel like they would go Jaw before they go Zion. Well, Jaw Jaw's two spots ahead at at. Uh, well, actually, Jaw and Zion have the same odds, plus three thousand. According to Fandle, so that's it's interesting. You see, if you had to ask me, I was going to say Luca. I, I was really thinking that Luca would would be today's MVP. Jason Tatum probably close behind. Um. Uh, now, comeback player of the year. It's Zion, right? So far, it's Zion. I mean, I, I can't. I can't think of anybody else that has come back from major injury or or been out for a long period of time and has just absolutely balled out the way Zion has. So I mean, yeah. if you asked me, it, it, it has to be Zion Williamson at, at this point, um, because I mean, again, forty three points, and and Zion's averaging. I, I want to say it's 27 a game right now uh, for, for the Pels. That's just wild numbers. But with the win last night, that is now four straight for the Pels. They are back up to first place in the Western Conference. Zion's averaging 26 points per game, shooting 61% from the field. 61%. They have a one-and-a-half game lead on the Memphis Grizzlies and as much as a 12-game lead on the 10-24 and 24 Houston Rockets. God, they can't get out of their own way, can they? The Rockets are going to have a starting five full of number one overall picks before it's all said. Oh, dude, they're, they're going, they want to be able to pair Victor Wabignana and Jalen Green together. And then apparently there was, there was talks that James Harden would be open to a Rockets yeah, reunion. You saw that, huh? What? What? Like a- I, after, after, like I thought this- he took a, I thought he took a pay cut so he, he would could be able- get out. No, like I'm, I thought he took a pay cut to like prove that he could work with Joel. Oh yeah, like I, I thought that was the whole thing. Like he's taking a team friendly deal to to be with the team longer, and that way he could help. That way they can get other people to help them win. Looking at. The Rockets, their best record in the last five seasons, 44 and 28. 44 and 28 in 2019. Since then, they've gone 17 and 55, 20 and 62. And so far this year, they are sitting at 10 and 24. Yikes. It is a, it is a tough, tough time to be a fan of the Houston Rockets. Let's go to the hotline quickly before we take a break. David, what's up? 
Um, good afternoon. Yeah, you were talking about James Harden and the report. Um, the following day, he came out and said it wasn't true, that he did not say that he would be open to going back to the Rockets, that he was happy, satisfied being in Philly. They had a good thing going, and that's where he wanted to be. As, as he should be. You, you, you're, yeah, playing, you're playing with one of the best big men in, in basketball. How, how would you not be happy? Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, you know, it's like, so, you know, I wouldn't go back to Philly, to um, Houston if I were him. And the man came out and said, I'm happy in Philly. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Again, playing, playing with a guy like Joel Embiid, playing under a guy like Doc Rivers, what, what's not to love? Uh, so I don't know where they got that report from, but apparently it wasn't true. Interesting. Appreciate the call, David. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I mean, the who's who in basketball reporting was was the ones. I mean, it, it wasn't any Joe Blows saying, "Oh, well, you know, I heard." No, like it was it was dudes that that do their homework, have the facts down to a T, know what they're talking about kind of report that's why i was so confused i'm like well wait well what was the whole point of taking the pay cut right like like if this is true well what, what was you, the whole point this right. doesn't make sense who knows who knows speaking of the pelicans after the win zion williamson met with the media and he put it plain and simple you have to protect home court you it's the fort you got to protect your fort and you know, I talked about it over the summer. The city deserves this. Uh, you know, the city deserves to have a, a basketball team because, you know, the Saints, they've been holding it down for so many years, and you got to give them that respect. But, you know, the city deserves to have, you know, the Pelicans be great too. Well, the Saints have not been holding it down in 2022. Let me tell you that. They've been holding it down for a long time. I'll agree with you, Zion. But 2022 has been pa-ball. Real bad. But anyways, Willie Green also met with the media, and he was asked, what did he tell Zion during the game? Oh, I didn't say anything to him. I think that that's just who he is. Um, he understands time, score, situation. He understands the moment. And uh, he made big plays after big plays. You know, he got the steal, went down and finished, you know, hit the three that was big for us. Uh, it's just, you know, that's what great players do. So now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, did you know you can now use it to listen to the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll look at some more top stories plus Talk about Lake Chuck and the McNeese Cowboys right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the New Orleans Pelicans, they have announced that their game on January 6th against KD and the Brooklyn Nets has been sold out and that it will air on ESPN. James, 
When was the last time you saw a Pelicans game sell out a week in advance? It's been a while. I was going to say, I can't even recall one. It's been a while. <laughs> that game's not till next Friday, and it's sold out. They said that they have a very limited number of away tickets left. But all Pelicans tickets have been sold. Wild. New Orleans is a basketball town? Hmm. Last night, LSU got a, uh, a bit of bad news. Kayshawn Booty has announced that he will declare for the 2023 NFL Draft. And this was after a couple weeks ago saying that he would return. Uh, earlier yesterday, it was made known that he would be unavailable for the Citrus Bowl, but a reasoning was never provided. And late last night, Kayshawn Booty provided the reason. He will declare for the NFL draft. James, what are your thoughts on that roller coaster? I was kind of shocked, but when you really think about it, and you just kind of go through the whole vibe of the season, the last two seasons, it just hasn't felt like Kayshawn didn't necessarily want to be there. It took a lot of effort to be like, hey, Kayshawn, we really want you to stay here. Like, it took a lot of convincing. And to me, it's like, if it takes that much effort for to make one person come back, it doesn't feel like they really want to be there. Not only that, though, a lot of people haven't discussed this, but I have noticed that there is a there was a disconnect between Kayshawn Booty and Jane Daniels. Yeah. So when it, Jane it just Daniels, never felt like they were on the same page. So when Jane Daniels announced that he was coming back, I was like, hmm. One of my first thoughts was, wonder if that changes Kayshawn's decision. And sure enough. Now, am I saying that that's the driving factor? No. Am I saying that that could have played a part in it? Absolutely. There was a disconnect there. Jaden Daniels has obviously struggled as a passer. And, you know, when, when, you're, a, when you're a wide receiver, you, you need a quarterback that can get you the ball. And... Kayshawn feels that that is not Jaden Daniels, so he's he's going to make the decision that's best for him. At the end of the day, look, if Kayshawn Booty can use his speed and, and run a, a solid 40 at the Combine, he's a first-round draft pick. If he has really good measurables at the Combine and at the LSU Pro Day, he's a first-round draft pick. It doesn't pick. matter. It doesn't matter what the production was. Because we've seen plenty of players in the past, their draw – their draft stock goes all the way up strictly because of a 40-yard dash. Absolutely. Look at John Ross. What has he panned out to be in the NFL? Nothing. And yet he was a first-rounder because he broke the record for fastest 40 time. Correct. Correct. Um, the New Orleans Saints meeting at the facility yesterday for their first day of practice preparing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Alvin Kamara missing a second straight day of practice today for personal reasons, but after practice, Andy Dalton, Rashid Shahid, and James Hurst met with the media, and Andy Dalton was asked, has this team struggled to close out games, and is that something that teams need to learn throughout the season? Yeah, I think definitely, I think it's, it's part of it. Um, you know, there's uh, one of those things, if you just kind of look at the teams with winning records and teams that are, uh, you know, considered some of the best teams in this league, they find ways to win at the end. 
And for us this year, we haven't been able to do it enough. And you can go back and look at four or five games and say, man, if a couple of these plays would have gone different, or if we would have done this, then you know our record would look a lot different than it does right now. But, I mean, that's everybody. Now, look, you know, the, the Saints are going to go up to Philly on Sunday, play the best team in the NFL. And, you know, you don't think about it, but a lot of it hinges, a lot of what happens in that game kind of hinges on what happens tonight. The Cowboys and the Titans play for Thursday night football. James, if the Cowboys lose, Philly locks up the division and they only need to win one of their last two to clinch the one seed. Correct. So you could very well see Nick Sirianni go, let's bench everybody this week and use the Giants game in week 18 as your tune-up before the playoffs. Because you're going to get the bye if you get the one seed. Correct. But I'm thinking, why not just get the game out the way? Why why not just get the the better percentage win against the Saints and knock it out the way instead of having to play a tougher division opponent who's got a much better record. Fair. I'll pose this. Because you get Jalen, you have Jalen come back this week who may not be 100%. But that's, but that's the thing. That's the thing. That was going to be my next question. Do you play everybody but Jalen Hurts? Because he's not 100%. You know he's not going to be 100%. So... If he re-aggravates that injury even further, are you really okay with that risk? Considering if he re-aggravates that injury further, you may not have him in the playoffs? I get it out the way. I get the game out the way. but Because what? you don't have to necessarily put it all on Jalen's shoulders, which that's the injury. Correct. It's shoulder injury. What it, what is? You don't have to lean on his shoulder. You can just hand it off. You can go to you can hand it off to him and and do other things. You don't have to throw the ball a ton in this game. We've seen we've seen the last 2 years Saints going to Philly. What they do? They never had to they never really had to throw the ball. But Jalen's also a running quarterback. He is. What if he takes a hit in that shoulder? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, but when you're injured like that, you're a lot more self-conscious. At that point, to be like, I'm going to, I'm not going to fight for an extra yard. I'm not going to try and get eight yards. If I can get four, I'm good at four. I don't need that six, seven, eight. So you think the Eagles are going to play Jalen Hurts this weekend? If if he is healthy enough, which he practiced today, you get that game out the way because you purposefully being like, oh, toss that one out out the garbage. Why would you toss away the game that you have a better chance of winning? I mean, that's a fair point. Because, I, I don't disagree because with then, that. Because then you protect them as much as you can, and if you see even a slight chance, like even in the game, let's say Jalen does take a hit, then may, then maybe you bring in Gardner. But if not, you just stick with Jalen. You get the win against New Orleans. You make that pick a little bit better for yourselves. And then you rest week 18. You rest Jalen. That way he has that week and the bye week to rest up that shoulder and be ready for the divisional round. You get it you get it out the way as soon as you can. The more you procrastinate that, the more it's going to bite you in the butt. To me, you got to get that out the way. If you can play Jalen and he, he looks healthy enough, 
Because at this point, no one's 100%. If you can get Jalen at 70, 75%, oh, you're starting him. I don't know. That's because to me, because to me, if you get too conservative with these injuries, especially when it's it's do or die, and you're playing for something really big like the first round pit, the first round buy, you go for it. Let me ask you this: Would you rather have you can't a, you can't play scared in that situation? I understand, but let me ask you this: Would you rather a first round buy or Jalen Hurts? You can probably get both. I'm not asking that. That's not that, that wasn't my question. Would you rather have the first round buy or a healthy Jalen Hurts? Well, give me a Jalen Hurts. Okay then. So then you're you're risking him you're risking him either way. If let's say he does what would you rather? You, would you rather have multiple weeks to prepare and make sure Gardner Minshew is ready for the playoffs, or would you rather one less week? Because let's say he gets injured either way, in week seventeen or week eighteen. What if you sit him for both? You sit him for both. What? What if? And then I'm, you and then you don't get the buy. What? What? What if you say, look, you know, we're just going to prepare for the playoffs. We think Gardner Minshew can do enough to get us one win in these next two games. We want Jalen healthy for the playoffs. To me, that just you've gets, seen it. You've seen it before. To me, that just gets way too conservative. You've seen it you've, done before. To me, get it out the way. Get the win. Get it out the way. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. We'll take a time out. Wrap up hour number one right after this here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up our number one. Let's go back to the poll question really quickly of the day. What do you make of LSU's men's win over Arkansas last night? It was huge for the program. Was it poor offense, did you think? Defense does the job or other so far, huge win for the program is leading by a huge majority. Almost 54% poor offense has a couple of votes. And then defense does the job as about 23%, while the rest, the final 15% goes to other. We talked about Tan, but Jew just came in and then just said, it's a win. Basically, a win's a win. It's a win. Like, you can't be mad at it. Was it beautiful? Was it pretty? Was it poetic? At the end of the eh. day... At the end of the day, you got the all, dub. All, people are only going to remember the win. People are only going to remember, hey, remember that time we beat Arkansas? Yup. In, in Matt McMahon's first year? Top 10 opponent? Beat him in the PMAC? You're not going to hear people go, oh, you know, they shot 40-something percent. Like, no, people aren't going to remember that. You won the game. That's what matters. Long term, that's what matters. And it was a big confidence builder for for a, pro, for a new program. And you're going to be able to build off that heading down a tough stretch with teams like Kentucky and Auburn and Tennessee and others. So, again, huge win for, for the Fighting Tigers. 706-0111 is the game hotline here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. 
In hour number two, we're going to talk with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate for Tiger Talk. We'll get his thoughts on the LSU win as well as preview the Citrus Bowl matchup with Purdue on Monday. And then in at 5.30, Tim Newton, the play-by-play voice for the Purdue Boilermakers, will join us. We'll have the same conversation from the other perspective. Thoughts on Drew Brees being back in the building. Thoughts on the new hire of Ryan Walters and so much more. Hope you're ready for some more LSU talk. Yeah, because we're bringing it. It, it it's I, I told you on social media it's a Tiger Thursday. It just it it is what it is. The Cajuns play tonight. We love the Cajuns. There, there's no there's no two ways about that. But there there's a lot to get to with the purple and gold. So stick around. Hour number two. Right after this, here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Hour number two right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of this Thursday edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, hit us up on The Game Hotline, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped LSU's massive win over Arkansas last night as well as talk some New Orleans Saints and Pelicans as well. Here in hour number two, LSU football will dominate the majority of this second hour. We will kick it off talking about the Citrus Bowl from the Tigers' perspective. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander, hope you had a Merry Christmas, sir, how are you? I'm doing well. I had a great Christmas. Hope you all had the same. Absolutely, man. Appreciate that. You know, I know you're still in football mode, and you're going to be until after Monday when the when the Citrus Bowl wraps up. But, man, i got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the LSU-Arkansas win last night? I mean, gosh, what a big win for LSU, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I was not following it super closely because I cover football year-round. But, gosh, I mean, went over uh, – what number nine team in the country and um hannibal was great down the stretch and it sounded like the pmac was rocking and um really a good win to start the matt mcmahon era in the sec i mean regardless of how this season really turns out um things are looking pretty pretty good right now and um just you know can kind of build some positive momentum around where they're headed and it just sort of seems to further um illustrate that maybe scott woodward you know i think there's a long time until we really can sort of write the book on Scott Woodward's hires at LSU, but uh, this batch seems pretty good with Matt McMahon and Brian Kelly and Kim Mulkey and Jay Johnson at the forefront. Now, you know, Kayshawn Booty going going to football now, it was announced last night that he would be declaring for the NFL draft, which kind of took some people by surprise considering just a couple weeks ago he said he was coming back for his senior season. Uh, what, what do you think led to that, that change of heart? 
Well, it, the real surprise was when he decided to come back in the first place because the expectation based on, I mean, just what everybody could see about Kayshawn and, and talking to, to people around the program was that he was going to turn pro. I remember at one point in the season, a very you know sort of public example of this was Brian Kelly was asked about Kayshawn and kind of the struggles that he'd been having and just that his production wasn't there. And Kelly basically said that, it wasn't going to affect his draft stock that he was still one of the best, you know, wide receivers who was probably going to come out. Like it was, I think just sort of a known thing that Kayshawn was probably going to go pro. And then he didn't. And it was like, Oh wow. Well, what a great boost for LSU to get him back next season. Um, but you still got this, the sense that maybe that, that wasn't all the way finished and determined, even though he made the announcement. And, um, you know, obviously he ends up now deciding to go to the draft. Um, he was, did not travel with the team to Orlando, um, and sources also told me he hadn't really been around for the last couple of weeks. Um, and obviously LSU came out earlier and said that he was going to be unavailable and would not play in this game. Um, and then, of course, he decides just to go to the draft. I think there's still some a lot that we don't know in terms of what sort of went into Kayshawn's thinking over the last few weeks in terms of deciding to initially come back and then reversing course. Um, but that's, you know, we know the result of it at this point, of course, is that he is not going to be um, – yeah, unless, uh, barring another sudden change, which I, I really don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think this is it, that his career at LSU was over and he's headed to the pros. But um, barring like some another reversal, you know, that, that will be it for him at LSU. Now, you know, looking at the bowl game, more and more guys starting to opt out. B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay, now Kayshawn Booty opting out. You know, I, I know that coaches have a pretty good idea of who was going to be available and who wasn't, but news like this so close to the bowl game how does that kind of affect practice plans and game plans and stuff like that i don't think that it really does frankly because um like i said sources had told me that Kayshawn really hadn't been practicing with them and really hadn't been around the team um uh for the last few weeks and so i think it was sort of sort of known that he wasn't going to be playing in this game and um that uh, obviously, we, the public didn't know, and this wasn't something I really had until last night, until after this all came out. But um, so I get the sense that LSU has had been preparing to play, um, and, that, and I think the receivers in that room with him, like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, and the quarterback you know, Jay Daniels, they probably all sort of knew what was going on uh, as well. And so I don't think it certainly throws a wrinkle into what LSU is preparing for here in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, they practiced. Yesterday, and like I said, he didn't travel with the team, so they had their first practices without him down. You know, once they got here, their first practices down here without him too. And so, um, it, in terms of what they're doing for the Citrus Bowl, um, all this sort of emerging in the days before the game, I don't think it really rattles what LSU uh, was doing specifically uh, for this game. Now, looking at the opponent in Purdue, they will be without their top quarterback Aiden O'Connell, as well as their top two pass catchers in Charlie Jones and Payne Durham. You know, LSU went into this as about a seven-point favorite. Now it's up to about 14-and-a-half. I mean, Wilson, Drew Brees isn't going to make the Boilermakers. He's not going to make up 14 points for the Boilermakers, right? No, he, he's he's not the one actually throwing passes, <laughs> um, which, you know, maybe in that case, the, the maybe you would start to wonder about the line. But he's just, uh, you know, assisting and, and coaching a little bit and um, – you know, around the team to sort of help in this transition uh, between coaches and um, sort of provide a positive, you know, sort of presence. I mean, anytime you have a guy like Drew Brees around, that's 
probably a good thing. And so um, it makes sense that the line has gotten to where it is. Um, not only is Purdue not playing with those, you know, its three best players on the offensive side in particular, um, it's going through a coaching change, and there's been a lot of um, upheaval over there as they, you know, as the program uh, changes hands. And so um, it's no surprise that LSU is favored like it is, especially even though because there have been some opt-outs, there's still a lot of guys that LSU has, you know, Jaden Daniels and most of the offense. And um, it's going to have to, you know, some young guys are really going to have to step up on the defensive side, but LSU is still favored and uh, sounds about, you know, and, and should be in this game. Chatting with Wilson Alexander here for Tiger Talk. You know, Wilson, it's got to be so interesting with, with bowl games because you look at it, especially with, with this one being after Christmas, you've, you've got the holidays with, with players going to see their families when, when they can and coaches as well. And then, you know, you go a week early and there's all these festivities planned. And if you're doing it in Orlando, you get to go to Disney World and Universal and all this stuff. How do you keep the players from having fun and at the same time having fun and enjoying the experience, but also being focused on the task at hand? It's a balance. Brian Kelly talked about this not too long ago. They want to celebrate in some ways the season that they've had, and especially when you're not playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, even in a New Year's Six Bowl, if you're not playing in the playoff, um, then it's it's an opportunity to have some fun. I mean, you know, there's not a championship at stake here, and while LSU wants to win this game in order to get to ten wins and finish the season on a strong note. And you know, go into off season with you know some positive momentum. Not only, you know, not so much as within the program, but certainly externally, um, and what you feel in the fan base, and and just kind of avoid that disappointing taste of a three game skid to end the year. Um, that this game is important, but yeah, they, they're certainly balancing that with a good bit of fun because they've got some time around here before the game. And you're at Universal, and they've gone to Disney, and they're doing other, you know, getting on the roller coasters and doing the rides and all that kind of stuff in between practices, and so. Yeah, it really is just a balance in uh, in terms of, you know, when this stuff is, you know, when we're going to have fun, then go have fun. And when we're going to practice, then focus on practice in order to be able to close out this season strong. Ryan Kelly's been through this a lot, so I have no uh, worry that he doesn't know how to handle that kind of thing. And um, he seems well-suited for it and has basically, you know, been talking to the players about that. You know, they they want to win this game, um, but they're also down here and uh, there's not a ton at stake. And so they should be able to, relax a little bit when they have the opportunity to do so you know obviously with the news of Kayshawn Booty it leads you to kind of sit there and go okay you know who else could be on on the fence about maybe transferring or or leaving the program have you heard anything or you know have any suspicions on on who could be next um nothing uh at this point that I that could really like confidently uh, you know, speak to and certainly don't speak to publicly. I mean, you know, there wouldn't be surprised if some of the guys transferred out after the bowl game because there's a few weeks before the transfer portal window closes again. Um, but it does seem like we're pretty much through all of the attrition that you would have felt, um, you know, kind of between now and uh, that window closing. You know, maybe there's going to be a few more, um, but it's not. You know, everybody who's transferred at this point um, wasn't some was somebody who was a little bit further, down, you know, down the depth chart, not really one uh, like a top front line starter. And um, in terms of NFL draft declarations, this is probably it. Um, there, 
you know, there'll certainly be some seniors who you see come out and say, oh, I'm, you know, thank you to LSU and all those things. But a lot of those guys, like a Jark Burner Converse or a Joe Fouché, their eligibility is up anyway. And so a lot of it, though, we're just going to have to kind of see once we get to the bowl game as in, in, in those few weeks um, before those deadlines to declare and uh, the deadline to, um, uh, you know, enter the transfer portal actually, you know, pass. And, and we'll kind of have to see as we go through. But um, a lot of LSU's, you know, really talented players a lot of them have either you know that who are draft eligible have either made a decision a lot of them are also young and not even draft eligible at this point so there's not too much uh many guys left who are draft eligible who haven't heard from john emery would be one who comes to mind looking ahead you know obviously there's still one more game left to play on monday but looking ahead to next year jane daniels coming back a bunch of key players like josh williams coming back for an extra season Harold Perkins Jr. still just a freshman, key pieces at every part of the field. LSU looks like they could maybe contend for a national championship in 2023. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves um, because it is a lot has to go right to contend for a championship, and we're sitting in December with a you know a long off season ahead, and you know guys got to avoid injuries, guys got to stay out of trouble. Um, Brian Kelly's done a really good job, I think, of instilling discipline in this team, but it's still, you know, college students you're dealing with, and um, they've got to stay on the straight and narrow and, and, you know, be, you know, do all the right things between now and then. And there's just so much that has to go right to be in that playoff conversation and and contend for a title. This is also going to be year two uh, of the Kelly area, and while this thing has been built up a lot better, and there are certainly a lot of reasons to feel optimistic about the offensive side because of the number, amount of returning production, um, even with Kayshawn leaving, uh, you got some guys coming in who you feel really good about, and um, you know maybe they can. But um, what I feel more confident in saying is that this should be a preseason uh, top twelve, probably top ten team. Um, uh, probably top 10 I would feel more you know I feel very confident about saying top 12 I think they should, probably should be top 10 um, especially if they go and win this bowl game in a, in a dominant kind of fashion um, and then you kind of got to let just let things play out as they go we're watching Florida State play right now so he's going to have I think a pretty good opponent there uh, week one uh, and right back in the same stadium and, and things will start there wrapping up Wilson you know Monday against Purdue what are what does LSU have to do to uh, to get a big win Well, it's uh, a lot of young guys really need to step up on the defensive side. When you look at sort of game keys, uh, Quincy Wiggins, Savion Jones, maybe Sage Ryan, if he ends up playing a good bit at nickel. Um, LSU on his step chart had major burns there at nickel, but I think Sage will get a good bit of playing time as LSU kind of rotates defensively. Um, Because that's just, you know, that's where they've had their opt-outs is on the defensive line. And that was one of LSU's best position groups. And so now you're going to have to see some young guys or some players who didn't just didn't play a whole lot this year. Um, are going to really need to kind of fill in those voids in order for LSU to take advantage of the fact that it's playing a backup quarterback in an offense without its two leading receivers. Um, as long as those guys can do that, I, I think LSU has a good chance to win this game because the offense should be able to click and fire on cylinders. You know, And then it's, it's just, it just comes down to the basic things that LSU and this LSU team always needs to do, push the ball downfield uh, to these receivers, um, and, and establish the run, and, and you know use Jaden Daniels' legs uh, to an advantage and, uh, then everything should work out okay. And again, also, you know, of course, avoid any sort of egregious special teams mistakes. Wilson Alexander joining us from the Advocate for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the game on Monday. Have a happy new year, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Happy new year to you as well. Y'all have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. 
Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. At the end of the first quarter, Oklahoma leads Florida State 7-3 in the Cheez-It Bowl. James, two bowl games, played four days apart. In the same stadium, both sponsored by Cheez-It. Incredible. That it, It's absolutely incredible. Cheez-It's marketing team, top-notch. Well done. Uh, I was going to say, have you seen their commercials the, lately? Have you seen the feeling in the cheesiest hotel room? Oh, dude. Garrett Nussmeyer's living like a king. Did you see that Cheez-It chain? That is what you call, or, or what the kids call, Drippy. You Dude, just age yourself 15 it's years. A, it's, a, it's a gold chain necklace, and at the bottom it has like a pendant of the Cheez-It logo. Solid. He got a bathrobe, and he gets to keep it all. All of it. There was a painting of a Cheez-It that he gets to keep. Can I keep the bed sheets? Cool, bro. I'd want to. I'd want to real bad. I'm feeling the cheesiest, Coach. I really hope Garrett tells Brian Kelly that game day. Coach, I hope you know that I'm feeling the cheesiest right now. Oklahoma now leads 14-3 to in the Cheez-It Bowl over Florida State. Uh, Brandon Ingram spoke with the media today after practice, and he said that he will come back when he feels like himself again. Uh, that's concerning, to say the least. The man doesn't feel like himself. Mm, might be more than just a toe. I mean, obviously... Y- y- it might be something mentally. That's concerning if you're the Pelicans. I mean, obviously, concern number one is is the well-being of your player, but, oh, man, that is a huge blow for the Pels. Because here's the thing. When you say something like that, he could be back in a week. He could be back in a month. He could not be back at all. You have no idea. And if you're the Pelicans, you're just playing a waiting game, kind of giving him his space, kind of trying to figure out where you stand, that's a tough place to be. This is where having really good depth on this team really comes into play. No, I agree. Because it's like you could do it for like a game or two if you don't have a lot of subs or people that you can bring in on a given night. But over time, it catches up to you. But the fact that you have so much more depth, it's not going to catch up to you as fast. Correct. So you being able to stay stable and keep keep yourselves afloat while B.I., is out and then whoever is out here from night to night, it, it it definitely helps you a lot because once you get them back, then you kind of have to get them into the groove of things. But while they're out, you can still keep yourselves in games and you could still even get some wins over some big teams. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, switching over to McNeese now, John Aiken met with the media yesterday 
talking about them getting prepared to open up conference play in the Southland. The Cowboys currently sitting at 3-10 and on the year. John Aiken gave his thoughts on opening conference with a rivalry game at Lamar. Yeah, so we gave the guys from, I guess, after the game against Houston, was that Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday evening uh, till Monday off. Uh, came back Monday, had a team meeting, and then practiced twice yesterday. We're going to practice again twice today and then start to dial it back tomorrow and Friday. We'll practice once uh, the next couple days. But um, just getting back into the swing of things. It's a new year um, from a basketball standpoint, new season, playing conference games. and um, You know, had some good times in the non-con, learned some things, played as hard a schedule as just about anybody. I think Nichols is the only one that played harder schedule in conference play. Um, but like some of the growth that we've seen, we've got to continue to grow and um, our group continue to come together and learn each other, uh, which we should be able to over the next, I mean, a lot of guys are going to play a lot of minutes. Um, so should be able to get some real continuity going into this stretch. Uh, Lamar, have some confidence playing them earlier in the year. Uh, we're fortunate to get a win here in the MTE. And so it's a game that um, we'll go into with some confidence. Um, They'll probably play his own uh, defensively, so we're going to be prepared for that. And the Cowboys are in an interesting spot with this matchup, though, because they've already played Lamar once this year, but it didn't count for conference play. It was ruled a non-conference game, so you're you have experience against Lamar, which which helps, but also. You're kind of at the point where, you know, this game's going to mean a little bit more because it counts for your conference record. And you you won the last time you played them, sixty six to fifty seven. But again, this game's going to be a little different because you're in Beaumont, and it means more because it's a conference game. And uh, John Aiken alluded to that during his press conference yesterday. Yeah, it matters. I mean, you hate to say it matters more, but it does. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a conference game. The one in November doesn't count for a conference win. And so this one ultimately matters. You want to start out 1-0 in the league. You want to get off to a good foot. Um, on the road is a lot different story than playing here at home, obviously. And so we've got to come out ready to go. Uh, we have got to have a great start. Uh, we've got to be really engaged. We're only going to play seven or eight guys, so they've got to be fresh. and. Um, ready to, to really compete at a high level. Lamar, I think the last time we played him, either out-rebounded us or even on the glass, uh, which that's a huge measurement for us. And so we need to do a better job on the glass. We had one of our season highs in terms of assists against them. Uh, we shared the ball well, traded play really well. Um, but we're going to need some guys to step up because some guys that played against them in the last one aren't going to play in this one. So we're going to need some guys to step up for us. and. Um, take on bigger roles. Roberts Berze, guy like him in particular, is going to have to play more um, and is continuing to gain confidence and trust in, in what's going on, but um, his role is going to only increase going into conference play. So, yeah, this one means more just because it's the start of conference play. It matters uh, in the conference standings. And then women's basketball sitting at 3-8. and eight. They will also play Lamar this weekend and you know, you, you look at you look at the Cowgirls in their ten games or eleven games so far, they've had eight different top scorers. 
and uh, head coach Lynn Kennedy talked about how it's kind of a blessing and a curse to have a lot of different scoring options. Yeah, you know, I think it's w- with our team, we have so many options that, you know, if we have one player that can be consistent, that's nice. We've had, you know, we talked about the last time, you know, we had 11 games. I think we have eight, eight, eight or nine, yeah, leading scores. So it's like, it's in one way, it's good because we have a lot of different options, but on the other way, we, we need some consistency from our top scorers to bring that every game. So I think she's been playing really well the last three games. Um, and we need that consistency now going into conference play. Um, but we also need Des to step up. We need you know our post to step up too on the outside and, and hopefully get healthier at the point guard position. Before we take a timeout, Derek Carr has announced that he is stepping away from the Raiders for the last two weeks of the season. Now there are reports saying that Tom Brady to the Raiders makes too much sense. James, are we going to hear this crap until he picks somewhere to go? Yes. Every team that needs a quarterback, oh, it makes too much sense. There, it, this is a perfect fit. It makes too much sense for him to go to the 49ers because that's where he grew up. That was the team that he watched and was a fan of as a kid. Makes sense for the Raiders because of Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr is pretty much out of there. Um, makes sense for the Saints because he could potentially go with Sean Payton. Makes sense for the Colts because Colts will just take another thirty-plus-year-old quarterback and then just this this one will be uh, maybe it'll be like another Carson Wentz, but hopefully better. Who knows? Oh God! Like I mean, there's plenty of different teams. It it's just so it's so funny to every team that oh you know next they're, next they're gonna say Tom Brady to the Titans, Malik Willis isn't ready. Tom Brady goes back to the I, Patriots for one more year. Oh, Bill Belichick's losing hope in, in Mac Jones. Maybe he needs to sit for a year and, and learn and blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. Tom Brady joins the Jets and shows Zach Wilson how to play quarterback? Josh Allen stared at Sean McDermott wrong. He's suspended for a year. Tom Brady to Buffalo. Like, it's, it's bogus. Tom Brady to the if, – if the only thing that makes sense is reuniting with Josh McDaniels, that is not a smart move. First of all, the Raiders suck. Second of all, the Raiders suck. Why would a 46-year-old quarterback who all he wants to do with his career is win one more championship... Man just wants to play football. Go to Vegas. No, go to the Niners with Kyle Shanahan, go play for your childhood team, win a dang Super Bowl, and ride off into the sunset. Be done. Because I don't want you in New Orleans. So go to San Fran, win a chip, and go home. Maybe Giselle will take you back. I don't know. Go home, Tom. This guy said, go win a chip with San Fran. I mean, But don't ever come to New Orleans. Don't even think about trying to win a chip here. You disgrace you, me. You know damn good and well that just Tom Brady is not going to win the Saints championship. No, but Sean and Tom... Would be very interesting. Still don't think it's enough. Still don't think it's enough. You act like getting – we saw it in Tampa. Just having Tom Brady over there made a lot of people be like, ooh, let's go play for Tom. Let's go Let's go see if we can win a chip real quick. Take a one-year deal, really cheap, try and get that jewelry, who and went, then skedaddle. Who went over there other than Gronk? 
Gronk. Uh, I know <laughs> Shady McCoy. I mean, yeah, LaShawn. That's fair. But outside uh, of those two. Sherman. Oh, Richard Sherman was there that year, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. But you see, the, he, the Bucks he himself, already had he so himself, many pieces. He himself told Fournette, "Hey, I'm coming back. Get back over here." Because he, because Fournette was talking about right. going to New England. He was he was about to go visit New England to go see if he was going to go play for the Patriots. But Tom said, "I'm coming back. The come, Buc- ba- come back to Tampa." The Bucks just had so many pieces already. They had a lot of good solid pieces. And I just he I, brought I don't in. Know. You, you also forget Antonio Brown. I just don't know that the Saints are as developed as Tampa was at that time. I mean, Tampa Tampa was that team that you talk about that was literally just a quarterback away. I think the Saints are more than just a quarterback away. Um, And then Antonio Brown, yeah, you brought Antonio Brown in, but, I mean, that didn't really do you a whole lot. And also... It was very helpful for that the, Super Bowl year. The, the locker room cancer that, that he was. Oh, no. Yeah, but that's the point I'm making is... He was able to bring guys in. Pe- people gravitated towards Tampa Bay just because they saw Tom in Tampa. Let's go play for him. Let's go play with him and let's see if we can get, let's go get some jewelry. I don't know. We'll see. It, look, if he comes to New Orleans, I'll cheer for him. But I, I don't want him. I just, I just don't. Get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th, four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the adult hydration station. A party bus will follow close behind, so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all, or some, or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now, latrail.org. We'll take a timeout. Produce play-by-play voice. Mr. Tim Newton joins us next for a conversation about the Citrus Bowl in Orlando right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 539 here on your Thursday, four days away from the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue. Tim Newton, the radio voice for Purdue football joins us via the game hotline to discuss the matchup. Tim, thanks for taking the time, sir. How are you? Doing fine. How are you guys tonight? Uh, doing well, doing well. So, you know, looking at Purdue, having a very strong athletics year, an 8-5 and five football team and then a men's basketball team that's currently number one in the country. Yeah, I'm actually watching. I'm sitting in a hotel room right now watching the men's team play, and they're up by 37 in the second half, so I think they're going to stay undefeated. Yeah, it's been a good year so far, and uh, for Boilermaker fans, are hoping that luck will continue into 2023. Now, looking just at the football team, kind of walk us through this eight and five season so far, uh, including a, a trip to the Big Ten title game to face uh, to face Michigan. Well, two disappointing losses at the start of the season. Purdue lost the opener against Penn State, and they lost in the third game against Syracuse. And in both games, they led in the final minute. 
so instead of being 3-0, and you're at 1-2. and And then they rolled off a few wins in a row and looked like they had righted the ship uh, and then probably played their two worst games of the year back-to-back against Wisconsin and Iowa. So they're sitting at 5-4, and four, and not only were you not thinking about a Big Ten West championship, you were wondering if you're going to get bowl eligible at that point. Uh, but then they turned things back around. I think the big win was a win at Illinois when the Illini were ranked and, and uh, uh, were on top of the Big Ten West, uh, winning that game in Champaign. Then they won their last two games of the regular season and really played Michigan pretty well in the Big Ten championship game. It wound up being a 21-point spread, but Michigan scored in the last couple of minutes, and it was a one-point game at halftime, and it was a, a nine-point game early in the fourth quarter. So you know, the Boilermakers are, are going to have a different team when they get to the field on Monday than they had in that game in, in Indy. But uh, yeah, overall, you know, a good season, but a season that I think you're wishing maybe could have been a little bit more. Looking at coaching, Jeff Brom announces that he's going to take the job at Louisville uh, to go back to his former stomping grounds. Ryan Walters now comes in as the head coach for Purdue. What are your thoughts on that hire, and then what is the coaching situation for the bowl game on Monday? Well, first of all, the, the situation for Monday is that Brian Brom, who actually was Jeff's offensive coordinator, his younger brother, is is sticking around to be the interim coach for this game, and then chances are he's probably going to join his brother down in Louisville. Mark Hagan, who uh, was also on the staff and is headed for Louisville, is going to be the defensive coordinator. Um, you probably have heard Drew Brees, uh, because Purdue is short now, assistant coaches, uh, got an exemption from the NCAA. So he is actually an on-the-field and working assistant coach through this game, and then he's going to go back into retirement. So that's for Monday. Going forward, Ryan Walters, I think, was a surprise to a lot of people. He was the defensive coordinator at Illinois, uh, one of the top-ranked defenses in the country. He's a young guy. He's 36 years old, and it breaks a long string of Purdue going with the predominantly offensive-minded coaches. Certainly Jeff Brown was in that, in that uh, classification, but uh, Ryan Walters, I think, is going to bring a different style defensively to Purdue. He's hired Graham Harrell, who played under Mike Leach uh, at Texas Tech to be his offensive coordinator. So Purdue's DNA has always been passing the football in a wide-open attack, and I think that will continue to be the case. Also already announced that his presumably his next quarterback will be former Texas Longhorn Hudson Card. Now, you know, you brought up Drew Brees coming in as an assistant coach. What's it been like just around the program and around the facility having a guy that's meant so much to the Boilermaker football program back in the building? Well, and I, and I think the fans down there in Louisiana understand what a special guy this is. And uh, anytime that you have bring Drew back, back around the program, it's, it's nothing but a plus. I think he's been great not only in the quarterback room, but he's also helped a little bit on the recruiting trail because he was actually able to, to do a little bit of recruiting while he was here. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's been a buzz, no doubt about it. I think people were a little bit down. You know, the, the Jeff Brown thing really was not a big surprise. It was really never a matter of if he was going to go. It was a matter of when. And when Scott Satterfield took the job at Cincinnati, I think everybody saw the writing on the wall. So I, I think um, it, he was announced as an assistant coach, and he actually called the athletic director, and asked him if he wanted some help for the bowl game. And that, that's the kind of guy that Drew is. So he flew up for a few days, uh, did some practices in West Lafayette, flew back to be with his family, and now has gone to Orlando uh, to the bowl site to, to get ready for the game. So it's, it's been a real plus. And, and you know, I've, I got to meet Drew when he was a, a freshman at Purdue. And uh, what you see is what you get with him. He's a real genuine guy and, and a smart guy. And I think uh, 
will certainly be, be a big help on Sat on uh, Monday's game. Chatting with Tim Newton, the radio voice for Purdue football. Aiden O'Connell has opted out, declared for the 2023 NFL draft. He will not play as well as two uh, of his top receivers. What can you tell us about the quarterback situation? Who's going to start for the Boilermakers on Monday? It'll be Austin Burton. He's a sixth-year guy. He played three years at UCLA, then transferred to Purdue, and really has never been able to wrestle the starting job away from Aiden. Uh, but he's a he's an athletic guy. I think you'll see a lot of run-pass option on on Monday. Uh, he's got the ability to throw the ball. He came in and he started when Aiden was hurt. Uh, he hurt his ribs in the Syracuse game. So uh, Austin got one start this year against uh, Florida A and M, or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Florida Atlantic, and uh, I'm watching the Florida A&M basketball game right now against Purdue. It was Florida Atlantic that he played against, and he, he, he played very well through three touchdown passes in that one. He's an athletic guy. His sister, Veronica, was a standout basketball player at Northwestern and plays now in the WNBA, and his dad and Hall and his grandfather are both great uh, athletes at Northwestern. So uh, he comes from a long line of, of athletes, and I think he's going to pr- provide a different – uh, aspect to the Boilermaker offense. Devin Mockaby uh, is a freshman running back who needs 80 yards for 1,000. Uh, we've never had a freshman running back run for 1,000 yards at Purdue, so that would be a, a program record. So, you know, different guys will have to step up. Certainly they're going to miss Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones, who, who led the nation in receiving this year, and also uh, Payne Durham, the second leading receiver at tight end. But there are other guys that I think that are waiting in the wings and, and looking forward to their opportunity. Who are some of the receivers that could step up to fill the shoes of Charlie Jones and Payne Durham? Yeah, probably the primary. I think the primary guy will be T.J. Sheffield, and he's the third leading receiver on the team. He's a guy from Tennessee that actually had a touchdown pass in last year's Music City Bowl win over Tennessee. I think he'll be the primary guy. You'll see Tyrone Tracy Jr., who's a transfer from Iowa, who's stepped up. Mershon Rice has had some some decent games this year. Uh, Paul Paferi is the tight end. He's going to be replacing Payne Durham. He actually came to Purdue as a quarterback, and uh, he's made the most of his limited playing time. So I think those are the guys. But, you know, I think in order for Purdue to have a chance Monday against LSU, they're going to have to establish a little bit of a running game to take the pressure off of Burton, and that's where I think Mockaby and Burton's running ability will come in a little bit handy. Looking at the defensive side, Cam Allen and Jack Sullivan are just two of the names that kind of pop off the page as some of the defensive leaders for the Boilermakers. Who else should uh, LSU fans get familiar with? Well, I think the strength of Purdue's defense is the defensive line, and they will play as many as 13 guys up front. And we've seen games where they've actually rotated 13 players in up front. They keep everybody fresh. Uh, A couple of names there, Corday Sidnor has had a good uh, redshirt freshman season. Uh, He's one of the team leaders in sacks. You mentioned Zach Sullivan. I think Nick Carraway is a star in the making. Uh, he picked up a couple of sacks late in the season, and I think uh, he's he's going to step through, I think, these next couple of years and really emerge from the shadows. But I think it's more the depth on that defensive line than anything else because they can go to their second and even their third units without a big drop-off. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Purdue has not played in heat for a long time. Uh, so I can tell you the month of November playing in the Midwest was miserable. Uh, so they're looking forward, I think, to some warmth. But it's going to be in the 80s on Monday, and we'll see if that has a factor on Purdue's conditioning. As we wrap up, Tim, what are kind of the keys to victory if you're Purdue to, to get a win over the Tigers? Well, I think they've got to prevent LSU from get, pulling off some big plays. And, and 
they did a decent job as the season went on taking on running quarterbacks, and I think that's going to be a big factor on Monday. Uh, you, you know that uh, uh, Jaden Daniels has the ability not only to throw but also to beat you with his legs, and I think that's going to be a key is to not give up a lot of big plays. And I think Purdue's going to have to get a couple of turnovers to give themselves a chance to pull the upset. They, you know, you're going to have to steal some possessions here and there. Uh, keep the game close. They, you know, they did that against uh, Michigan going into the second half and gave themselves an opportunity. And I think they, uh, they're hoping they can do the same against the Tigers on Monday. Tim Newton, the radio voice for Purdue football, joining us here on Crunch Time. Tim, really appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the call on Monday. And uh, once again, really appreciate your time. Thanks, fellas. Thank you. And there he goes, Tim Newton, the radio voice for the Purdue Boilermakers. So, you know, Drew Brees obviously, you know, has a connection to both of these schools with his time in Louisiana playing at Purdue. James, and I know we kind of talked about this a little bit when it was first announced that he would join Purdue staff for the bowl game. Do you think that there's a likelihood that this could maybe spark some interest for Drew to get into coaching? I think it kind of depends like if he really, really enjoys it. Because we've seen him coach his sons and his little league teams and their little league teams. But other than that, I mean, that's a huge responsibility. To me, it it feels like it would be a lot and you would have to throw away a lot of the other stuff that he's either wanted to do or already does. Like you'd have you'd have to kinda that that's a that is one hundred percent a full time job and you'd have to kind of push to the side a lot of the family time that you wanted to do as you watch your kids grow up and spend time with your wife, as well as push away a lot of what you do with all the companies you're uh with. Yeah. I just- like to me to me, that is a big change, and I don't know if Drew wants to do that at that point unless he just absolutely falls in love with coaching. Well, which is going to be interesting to see if that is the case because I just I I'm feel not like... hold, I'm not holding my breath for it at all, but it's something that could potentially happen. I just don't think it's very likely. Score update from the Cheez It Bowl: Oklahoma leads Florida State. 14 to 11. Yes, I said that right. 14 to 11. Uh, this is not the first time that Oklahoma and Florida State have played to a strange final score. In 1981, it was 18 to 17. In 1965, it was 36 to 19. And then as recently as 2001, 13 to 2 was the final. We'll update the score one more time before we get out of here. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show after this. Right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. 5.56 wrapping up today's show. Let's update the poll question of the day. What did you think of LSU's win over Arkansas last night inside the PMAC? Once again, LSU winning 60-57 to 57 in that one. So far, looking at Twitter, 38.9% say it was huge for the program. 27.8% say defense does the job as well as other. And then only 5% say that it was poor offense. Looking at some of the comments, 
Who dat Cajun says, don't care. How about them Cajuns? Fair enough. Third Coast Guitar, who cares? Go Cajuns. Well, the Cajuns do play tonight against Coastal Carolina. Tip-off is in three minutes. Uh, and then the Cajuns women at home against Georgia State, which will also tip off in about three minutes. So we will recap that tomorrow, as well as LSU women taking on Arkansas and so much more. Jake Crane will join us for Jake's Takes as we pick our college football semifinal matchups. For James Mesh, I want to thank our guests today, Tim Newton and Wilson Alexander. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, and give a hug to your mom and them. And I'll be back tomorrow, same time. Last show of 2022 right here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.